from morning tea. Would you open your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 1, and we're continuing our series on the book of Revelation. We had a great prayer meeting this morning. We had a, a mission prayer meeting. More than 20 people came, which was wonderful to see that, and we look forward to our next mission prayer morning. Of course, we pray every Sunday morning at quarter past nine, and everyone is, is encouraged to be a part of that, but we are now devoting one of those to mission prayer. And also, I'd love you to come along to our systematic theology classes, Tuesday, seven o'clock in the white building next door, seven to nine, and we are beginning a six-week series this week on what we call ecclesiology, which is the doctrines of the church. And so we look forward to learning about the body of Christ, which uh, is very precious to Jesus. He loves the church, and I hope we will learn to love the church as we work through that over six weeks. So come along, 7 o'clock next door, or you can watch it online. Over 20 years ago, my dad undertook a a quite a remarkable trip of flying his little Tiger Moth aeroplane from Perth to London, and he did that in about 30 stages. And one of the most dangerous stages was crossing from Egypt to Greece, across the Mediterranean Sea. And by this stage of the journey, he was uh, very weary, and he told me about a particular part of crossing the Mediterranean where he looked out, and it was a very hazy day, and he was looking out, and he, he thought he saw uh, the, the, these black shapes across the uh, across the sky, and he thought, uh, okay, they, they look like ships. Uh, sorry, he thought that they they looked like helicopters. Actually, he thought they were helicopters in the sky, until he realised that they were actually ships and that his, his aeroplane was actually going into a dive, you see. So what he thought were helicopters were ships, and he was heading steadily towards the sea without actually realising it. He had completely lost perspective in his tiredness, couldn't see the horizon, and was heading towards disaster. And it was one of those moments where he had to collect himself and, and, and realise... Uh, I've got to regain the correct perspective, look at my instruments, and see exactly where the aeroplane is and what direction it's flying in. Now, when the book of Revelation was written, it was getting much harder to be a Christian. Christians were being ostracized from their, their families, from their workplaces. It was becoming increasingly difficult to find work as a Christian, to do business as a Christian, very hard to find work in the public service as a Christian, and there was government pressure being brought to bear upon the church and upon Christians. And under this pressure, under this social pressure, it was becoming more and more easy for Christian men and women to lose their perspective to lose their perspective of who Jesus is and what Jesus thought of them, what he had done for them, what he was going to do for them. Can you see the analogy? Just as, just as my father, in his weariness, lost perspective, was heading towards danger. In the same way, Christians, weary, 
under pressure and persecution, were starting to lose the horizon, starting to, to lose their perspective of who Jesus Christ is and what he had done for them, what he was doing for them. And as a result, they were getting anxious. And they were forgetting to repent. We can see these things from the seven letters that Jesus writes to the church in chapters 2 and 3. And they were starting to fall prey to false teaching and false teachers. You only start to fall prey to false teachers if you are losing your sight of who Jesus is, if you're losing your perspective. And their faith was starting to run hot and cold. Again, because they were forgetting who Christ was. And some were even tempted to give up on their Christian faith. Does any of that describe you? Any of that describe you? Anxiety? Forgetting to repent? Falling? Being susceptible to, to false teaching, weak teaching, misleading teaching? Your faith running hot and cold? Perhaps even tempted to give up on Christ altogether? The reason is, is because you are losing the horizon, you're losing your perspective. You're not seeing Jesus clearly for who he is and what he has done for you. And that is why God has given us the book of Revelation. It opens the curtains to show us the spiritual realm and to show us above all Jesus Christ and who he is and what he is doing in the world today. Let's remember that the book of Revelation is not about the distant future. And if you think it's just about the distant future, then you'll read it in a kind of detached sense. It's not about the distant future. It is about the here and now. The curtains being pulled aside so that you can see Christ now. And so that is what we're going to do today. After the initial introduction to, to the book of Revelation, after introducing himself and addressing the seven churches that John is writing to, he breaks out into praise. And this is one of the things that I love about the book of Revelation, that so often the book just stops and, as it were, lifts up its head lifts up its head to the throne to see Christ and just to stop and to just praise him. And that's exactly what we're seeing here in verses uh, 5 through to verses eight, verse 8, where John stops to praise our Lord Jesus. So as we look closely at this exclamation of praise, this is what your mission is this morning. This is what you should be trying to do this morning. Look at how Jesus Christ is described here. If you are starting to lose your perspective, if you're starting to forget who Jesus is, you're starting to get anxious, your faith is starting to weaken, look at Jesus Christ in these few verses. Regain your perspective and your faith and your love for Christ will be strengthened. Let's look at this 
glorious exclamation of praise I'm in Revelation chapter 1, halfway through verse 5. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Heavenly Father, we pray now that you will indeed pull aside the curtain that we will see Jesus Christ face to face, that our perspective will be renewed, that we will see him again in all his truth and glory. Amen. Are you forgetting who Jesus is? Well, look how this starts. To him who loves us. If you're a Christian, Jesus loves you. And the Apostle John, when he writes this, I, I think back to the, the upper room on the night before Jesus went to the cross. And the disciples are seated around the table. And who is it who leaned back on the chest of Jesus in that gesture of intimacy and love, leaning on the chest of Jesus and listening to his words? Who was that? It's the same person who wrote this. John, who knew, perhaps even more clearly than any of the other apostles, that he was loved by Jesus. He calls himself often the beloved. He knew. And he think back to that night when, when, when John is lying back on the, the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper. And the next day Jesus is going to be arrested and, and scourged and mocked and, and crucified and yet all Jesus seems to be concerned about is the glory of God and looking after his disciples preparing them for what is about to happen to them the next day. John knew that Jesus loved him and John knew that Jesus loved him and loved the church even with our flaws. He doesn't love our flaws, but he still loves us. And as you, as you look at the letters to the churches in chapters 2 and 3, you'll see that the churches that Jesus writes to have some deep flaws and problems. And yet, he loves. He loves you. Even though you fail him, even though you may forget him, even though you take your eyes off him, he loves you. And John wants us, first of all, to regain that perspective of Christ. To him, 
who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And this makes me think of, of the Hebrew nation in Egypt, and they are a slave nation, and early in the morning they go out to make bricks for their Egyptian masters, and all day they're making bricks and baking bricks and building monuments to the Egyptians, and they are being flogged, and there is no rest, there's no rest day for the Hebrew people, and their baby boys are being taken from their mother's arms and thrown into the Nile, the nation is failing, facing extinction, and it's a picture of sin. It's a picture of the terrible, terrible slavery of sin. And if you think that sin is, is kind of fun or kind of exciting, that is a perverse outlook, because the Bible says that sin is a slavery, a terrible slavery, and it grinds us into the dust, and it dehumanizes us, and it hides us from God and his face and his blessings. It is a terrible slavery. It destroys our present and our future. And what are the wages that we get for a lifetime of sin? How are we rewarded Bible says with the second death, eternal judgment. It's a terrible slavery, brothers and sisters. And Jesus Christ has freed us from that slavery. He loves us and has freed us from our sins, just as He led the Hebrew nation to freedom out of the nation of Egypt. He has freed, if you're a Christian, he's freed you from the chains of sin. Sin is no longer your master. You don't have to obey sin anymore. You're not under his power anymore. You're not facing the consequences of sin anymore. You're freed by his blood. And we'll look at that more carefully in a little while when we come to the Lord's table. But let's keep going, because I hope you are regaining a more clear picture of Jesus, that you respect your perspective, is being renewed. He loves you, he has freed you from your sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. And what a powerful thing. It's being revealed to us right here. Because here are our Christian people, the first recipients of the book of Revelation, <coughs> suffering under the might and power of Rome. It's pressing down on them. The persecution is growing. The Christians are feeling isolated and afraid. And John reminds us that Jesus has made us to be a kingdom We're not people without citizenship. We belong to the kingdom of God, and that means that Jesus is our king, and that means that he is our protector, and our provider, and our ruler, 
He has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. And as you know, in the Old Testament, who were the only people who could come into the presence of God? Only the priests who could come into the presence of God. It was the priests who, who had to talk to God on the people's behalf. It was the priest who had to talk to the people on God's behalf. Only the priest could come into the presence of God. And here John, John tells you, if you're a Christian, he loves you, he has freed you from your sin, and he has made you to be a priest. What does that mean? It means that you have been brought into the presence of God. You don't need a mediator. You don't need a go-between. You can lift up your head and pray to God direct as your Father who loves you, who hears your prayers, who answers your prayers, not in the way we, we expect, rarely the way we want, because our wants are so misguided sometimes, sometimes, almost all the time, but he will answer your prayers in the best possible way, in the most loving way, the way that's best for his kingdom and glory and for you. I hope you're seeing Jesus more and more clearly this morning from these glorious words from Revelation. To him be glory and power forever and ever, says the Apostle John. And that, that word glory, just a reminder, it's a word that means weight, weightiness. So if something is weighty, what, what, what do we call weighty things? If something is weighty, then it is important, right? It's important. It's significant. And so when we speak of God's glory, the Bible when the Bible says that God is glorious, it means that he is weighty and he is important. And when God glorifies himself, he, he manifests his attributes of love, power, wisdom, glory, beauty, holiness. And in response to God glorifying himself, we glorify him in praise. That, that, that's the essence of Christian worship. God manifests himself. He, he shows himself to us all that he is. And in response, we praise him for all that he is. We can't help but do that. We love to do it. And so John says, to him, to the one who's loved us, who's freed us, who's made us to be a kingdom of, and priests, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And now this word, look. In the old-fashioned translations, what, what, what's the word? Behold. <laughs> look. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. And this is a direct reference to what high point of the Bible, 
Behold, he is coming on the clouds. That is a reference to Daniel chapter 7. It's one of the, the Mount Everest peaks of the Bible. It's one of the most important chapters of the Bible. Remember Daniel 7. Amy just read it to us. Where Daniel looks in, in, a, in a vision at night. And at first the vision is, it's a nightmare, isn't it? It's a nightmare. Because Daniel is looking at a, at a raging sea. And the wind is, is whipping up the sea. And what comes out of the sea? Four beasts. Four mutants. The first, a, a, a lion. One of the most ferocious. The wild animals. The wings. This is a, a fast lion. This is a lion. I wouldn't want to try to outrun a lion as it is, let alone a lion with wings. And, and the winged lion is, is what? It's, it's, it's Babylon, this ferocious empire with its rapidly moving armies. And then, what comes next? It's this lopsided bear. Makes me think of a kind of a zombie, sort of lopsided bear. Why is it lopsided? It's the Medo-Persian Empire. The Persian part of the empire was the bigger part. Media was the smaller part. It's crunching three ribs between its teeth. Another ferocious animal representing the Medo-Persian Empire, which conquers and displaces Babylon. Then, a third creature, a third mutant, a leopard. Now, leopards are fast enough, but this leopard has four wings and four heads representing the Macedonian Empire, which broke up into four parts at the death of Alexander. And that conquers the bear. And then, the fourth and most terrifying of the beasts. It's, Daniel can't even liken it to any human, any uh, animal that human beings know about. It's just called a ferocious, terrifying beast with iron teeth and ten crowns. And this represents all earthly empires ever since the book of Daniel has been written. And so Daniel, I, I, I reckon if, if, if I was Daniel and I was having this, this vision, I, I, I would be sweating, I'd, I'd be uh, terrified, shaking with terror. But then what does Daniel say? He sees one like a son of man. Coming on the clouds of the approaches, the ancient of days, the father, the great judge on the throne. And he is given all glory, honor, and power, and every nation, every people, Every tribe, every uh, tongue that is ever spoken now comes to praise this glorious Son of Man. And Daniel says that his dominion will never be destroyed. And his kingdom will never pass away. And, and, and what, is, what is John saying here in the book of Revelation? He's saying... That's your Lord Jesus there. That's your Lord Jesus. 
lift up your heads again in your trials and persecutions and troubles and anxieties and difficulties. See him coming on the clouds of heaven, the one who rules over all nations, that has been given all glory, power, and authority, King Jesus. And every eye will see him, even those who pierce him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. And this is an awful thing, isn't it? What John shows us here is that when Jesus Christ returns, that the Roman soldiers who drove those nails to his hands, his feet, and that spear in his side, will see that he is the Son of God, the Son of Man, with all glory, honour and power being given to him. And they will weep for what they did to Jesus Christ. And it won't just be the Roman soldiers, will it? Pontius Pilate, and Herod, and Caiaphas the high priest, and all those who, who called for Jesus to be crucified on that day will see that God has given him all glory, honour, power, and they will weep. And the word that the, that's translated weep here, or mourn, is a word that describes profound grief, a beating the rest. But it doesn't just stop there, does it? Because this is saying that anyone who has ever been shown Christ, Jesus, and he rejects that, and he says, I don't want that. I don't want him. I'm not interested in him. There's a sense in which, if that's you, that you have pierced him. You have crucified him all over again. And you will mourn. And the, the day of Christ's coming will be a day of terror. And so John tells us, look again at Christ. And all that God has done for him. And look at his throne. And when he returns... You will want to be on his side. And that will be a happy day. That will be a wonderful day for those who have turned from their sin to Jesus Christ. That will be a glorious day when the Son of God returns. But for those of you who haven't, it's not too late. It's not too late. And today is the day to turn from rebellion and the slavery of sin. The task is to free you from sin and to forgive you. And you'll give you new life and you'll adopt you to be God's son or daughter. We don't want to be one of those who mourn at the return of Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself now finishes by saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. He is, and he was, and is to come, the Almighty. And that, 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 that glorious title for Jesus, the Almighty, it appears nine times in the book of Revelation. Ten times in the New Testament, nine of them are in the book of Revelation. 
And how vital that we remember that, that, that when the troubles come and when you're under pressure because of your Christian faith, in family, in your workplace, on campus, the schoolyard, government pressure, bearing down, how, how important, how vital that we remember that Jesus is the Almighty, the greatest power. There's no power that exists that is above or outside of his power. He is King of kings, all kings, Lord of all lords, the Almighty One. And so let me ask you again, in the, the, the pressure that you are under as a Christian, man or woman, boy or girl, Christian student, and if you're a Christian student, my, my heart really does go out to you because I know how tough it is for Christians on, on campus and, and that, that, that daily pressure that, that, that threatens to grind us down and to grind our Christian faith out of us. I, I, I really do feel for you. But in that, come back to, to this, this picture of Christ. If you are feeling anxious, if you are forgetting to repent of your sin, which, which must be a daily thing, right? Forgive us our sins if we forgive those who sin against us. That's a, a part of our daily prayer. If, if you are tempted by false teaching, weak teaching, misleading teaching, if you are running hot and cold in your faith, failing to love and to, to help those around you, even tempted to, to give up your faith, look again at Jesus Christ. Look again. Look again at who he is. He's been revealed to us as the curtain has been torn aside this morning. And God says, lift up your heads and look at him again. And so when something goes wrong this week, who thinks that something might go wrong this week? Who thinks that something might go right this week? <laughs> well, when something goes wrong this week, something that upsets you, will you remember that he is the one who loves you. If you think that the one who loves you doesn't know about the wrong uh, thing that happens to you or the hard thing that happens to you, the, the upset, the distressing thing, you think he doesn't know about that? Of course he does. You think that his heart doesn't break for the suffering of these people? Of course it does. But he loves you. And he does not allow a single thing to happen to us that he cannot use for our good. It's a disaster. What good could come from this awful, horrible thing that I see happening? And yet he does. Again and again. When the hard thing happens to you this week, will you remember that? Will you remember that? That he loves you? That it's not outside of his love? That in it, it, it's, it's happening because of his love. 
that he takes and use, uses everything to grow us and for his glory? And will you remember that, that, that he is, when the, when the temptation comes this way, to do that sin again, and to lapse into gossip, and to lapse into pornography, and to, to lapse into greed, when those temptations come, will you remember that you've been freed? Sin is no longer your master. You don't have to go back to that like a dog to a vomit. You've been freed. He's freed you with his blood. That's a new life for you. Rejoice when the temptation comes. He promises that he will show us a way out. And he has freed you from it. When God feels distant from you this week, you you will have times this week, if not right now, where God feels very, very distant. Will you remember, please, that the book of Revelation has shown you this morning that he has made you to be a priest that means you are in the presence of God all the time. Whether you, you might not feel like you're in the presence of God, but it is a fact. It is a fact. He has made you to be a priest. You're in his presence. He sees you. You talk to him. He listens. He answers your prayers in the best way. And he is helping you. You are a kingdom of priests. And when the future looks uncertain. Remember that he is the one who's come on the cloud of heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days and has given all power, honour, glory, dominion forever and ever. And what a tremendous, what a tremendous word for the Christians who first read this. And they're facing this awful persecution and pressure for their faith. To know Christ reigns, he rules. The beasts will just come and go, come and go. They'll just devour each other, but he will always rule, and there's nothing that happens outside of his good and perfect rule. Let's, this week, regain our perspective. And look again and see the truth and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him, the glory and power forever and ever. And how does, how are we to respond to that? Amen. To him, the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.